0: Well, what is up, Emmanuel? How are you feeling today? Pretty good? I hope, that, uh, I hope that worship experience blessed you as much as I did, as much as it did uh, me. Uh, you know, I love starting a brand new series. That's what we're going to be doing today called Closer Than Ever. Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, it's your first time here, my name is Danny. I'm usually the guy that gives the talk. But last week, a guy named Greg Coble gave the talk. Didn't he do a good job last week? Wasn't that awesome? I love what he said. He said, if we, uh, if we are going to have more success moving into the future, we have to take time to look backward. Because when we look backward... We gain wisdom, and we also gain courage to, to move forward. And so if you missed last week's talk, I encourage you to go back and watch that on the podcast. And so like I said, today we're starting a brand new series, Fired Up About It, and it's called Closer Than Ever. You know, I really I like starting with a question. Because I believe that questions, a really good question anyway, can stir the heart and can stir the mind. So I want to start today with a question uh, like I usually do. And the question's in your notes, and this is the question. How close do you feel to God? How close do you feel to God? On a scale of 1 to 10... One being, you know, I feel very distant from him. I, I, I haven't talked to him in a while. Haven't heard from him in a while. I feel like he doesn't even know I exist. That's a one. And then 10 would be, man, we are tight. We talked this morning. We're best friends. He shares his heart with me. I share my heart with him. We walk together. That would be at 10. On a scale of one to 10, take a pen right now. I know some of you don't like to participate. That's okay. Um, just grab a pen. I really want you to give yourself a grade. Are you a 4? Are you a 6? Are you an 8? Are you a 2? Are you a 5, just kind of right in the middle? Uh, You know, kind of average. I want to give yourself a grade because the goal of this series is to move you from a 5 to a 7, or from a 7 to a 9, or hey, from a 2 to a 4. The goal of this series is to help you walk closer to God than you ever have before, In this year, how many of you would be willing and honest, honest enough and willing enough to admit that you that your relationship with God is not where it could be? Raise your hand. It's not where it could be. Wow! Hold on, keep the hands up. Look around. Look around. This is amazing. What we're admitting, and my hand is up as well, is that we can actually, probably, if we tried and put forth the effort, we could walk closer with God than we currently are right now. Almost every hand went up in the room and what we're talking about is having higher levels of peace in our life that come from an awareness of his presence wouldn't that be awesome wouldn't you like to be more aware of God's presence in 2017 yeah wouldn't you like to hear his voice more now if you're like me you have a lot of voices in your head does anybody else you know, you got your parents from like when you were little talking to you, you know, then there's like your own voice, which could be, I guess, your conscience. And then you have, you know, the people in your life and your immediate family talking to you, and then there's God's voice, and then there's the devil's voice, and there's a lot of voices going on. Wouldn't you like to just be able to discern and know when God is speaking and, and who it is that's speaking to you and have confidence that it's him speaking to you? I absolutely would love to have more of that. I'd love to have deeper levels Of faith and trust in the midst of difficulty so that I'm not stressing out and freaking out. Anybody else would like some of that, right? Less anxiety, less fear, right? It's possible. It's possible to have, and so that's what this series is going to be all about, closer than ever. You know, there's a great passage in Acts chapter 17. These are actually words from a sermon from a guy named Paul. He's preaching to a group of people in Athens, and these are not Christians, but they're very spiritual people, and so Paul is talking to them about why God created human beings and how he, they, everybody came from Adam and Eve and he put them all people in certain places at certain times for a specific purpose. And then in verse 17, he tells us what that purpose is. Watch this, Acts 17. His purpose creating people he calls them the nations but it's not nations it's people inside the nations he says his purpose was to seek for for the nations for people to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him kind of like you feel your way in the dark sometimes when you don't have a light and you're kind of touched up (laughs) you get that picture in your head right feel their way toward him and finally say with me find him Like, that is the purpose of your existence. It's why you're here rather than not being here. God created every single human being so that we could feel our way towards him and eventually find him and walk in a close relationship with him. It's the whole purpose of the human existence, right? And so then he adds this little sentence at the end, which I love. I love, love, love. This this is where I get all kinds of hope inside of me though, because some of them haven't found him yet, though he is, say it with me, not far. He's not far. Can you say that with me again? Not far. Let's do it one more time. Not far. If you get nothing else from this sermon, I want you to walk away remembering those two words. Not far. God is not far. Some of you think he's far away. Some of you think he's unconcerned. Some of you think he doesn't want to know you. Some of you think you've sinned so bad that God would want nothing to do with you. Some of you think he's so disappointed and upset he doesn't want to talk to you. Some of you even think he hates you. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to feel your way towards me. I want you to find me. And guess what? I'm not very far away from any one of you. In fact... The more of a sinner you are, the closer he is when you call. Because <laughs> he came for sinners like us. Isn't that awesome. If in other words, here's what I want to say in this series. If you want to be closer with God, he's not very far away. You can. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to kind of approach it uh, a little bit differently than we normally do. If you're a normal attender here at Emmanuel, usually we, we jump around at different places in the Bible. We're going to do, do something a little different. We're going to actually look at one passage, of, one passage of Scripture for all four weeks. We're going to look at Psalm 34, and I'll tell you why in just a second. So that's going to be a little bit different. Today we'll look at the first three verses. And then something else we're going to do that's different is that we're going to, alongside with the series, we're going to do a 21-day fasting challenge. A 21-day fasting challenge. Some of you maybe saw the video in your email that I sent out this week. You say, what's a fast? Some of you have never even heard of that. Well, a fast is basically a spiritual practice of denying your body food for a certain period of time for a spiritual purpose. That's all a fast is. Let me say that again. That was a mouthful. It is denying the body food for a certain period of time, for a spiritual purpose. So the purpose in this series would be to draw closer to God. That's, what, that's, what, that's why we would fast. And I'm, some of you still have some questions about that, so I'm going to circle back at the end of this talk and fill in some gaps for you. But it's going to be different. Somebody once said, if you continue to do what you've always done, you'll continue to get what you've always got. So if we want some different results, which we do, right? We want to be closer with God this year than we ever have before. It's going to take some different... Actions, and that's why we put together the 21 day fast which I'll explain more about in just a little bit. So those are two different things that we're going to do. And so let me get back to Psalm 34. Why Psalm 34? Well, first of all, it explains what it looks like to be close to God. David, in the Psalm, he actually describes what, a clo- what, it, what it looks like to be close with God and also how to be close with God. So it's both descriptive and it's prescriptive, like a doctor writing a prescription and then you take the pills and you get better. That's what Psalm 34 has in it. It's descriptive and prescriptive. But I also like Psalm 34 because... Basically, I like David. <laughs> I mean, David is an awesome character in the Bible. And and he is just a he's a godly man. In fact, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, I'll actually read it to you. This is a, the scenario here was that Samuel the prophet is talking to Saul, the king of Israel. And Saul had been disobedient, and he'd broken the rules. And God says, I want Saul out, and I want a new king in, and the new king is David. Listen to, listen to what Samuel says to Saul. But now, Saul, your kingdom shall, come to, shall, shall not continue. You're done. The Lord has sought after a man after his, say it with me, his own heart. God didn't choose David because of his incredible leadership skills. God didn't choose David because of his incredible leadership experience. God chose David to replace Saul because of his heart. David's heart simply was, this is, this is what, uh, to, to be a person after God's own heart, this is all it means. It means that you care about what God cares about. It means that you want what God wants. It means you've laid aside your agenda for life and you said, you know what, I'm going to dedicate my life to the agenda of God. And so God saw that that was David's heart and he picked out a man after his own heart. So I love that about David. He's a godly man. So if anybody's going to show us how to walk closer with God than ever, it's going to be David, right? I also like David because he was a total screw-up. He really was. Not Not for his entire life, but there were certain portions of his life where he blew it big time. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When he had an affair with Bathsheba. And then Bathsheba got pregnant, and then what did he do to cover it all up? He murdered Bathsheba's husband, put him on the front lines where the battle was the fiercest so he would be sure to die. The baby ended up dying, Uriah was killed, not a very good thing. Those two sins, adultery and murder, ended up wreaking all kinds of havoc in David's life. So I can relate to him, not not that I've committed murder or cheated on my wife, but I have blown it. Have you blown it? Sometimes I feel like I blow it more than I get it right. But I can, I can relate to David. He's human. I'll just give you an example. You know, in, in my life, you know, I strive with all my heart to be a person after God's own heart. I really want to be godly, you know, to be an example to all of you and, and, for, and to be a, uh, an example to, of the gospel. But I blow it. The other day we were at LA Fitness and I was just playing five-on-five basketball. And um, it was, uh, everybody was off from work because it was over the holidays. So there are like 15 guys in there, and, and we were playing. And you know, there's a lot of younger guys in there, like 20 something, 25 years old, and I'm almost 40. I really shouldn't be playing anymore. <laughs> but your brain tells you you can. Anybody else there? So you think you can, so you do it, and you shouldn't. So I'm in there playing five on five, and it's getting pretty aggressive. And you know, there are some, there are some uh, college recruiters and NBA scouts watching in. There's glass in LA Fitness you can, you can watch in. So everybody knows we're being watched, and so we're playing. I mean, it's aggressive, and, and I, normally it's not that aggressive. So I, I set a screen so that my guy can kind of get open and, and shoot a jump shot, and I just, you know, do one of these numbers. And the guy on the other team decided he was going to go through the screen. Now, if you know anything about basketball, you don't go through screens. You go around the screens. In fact, when you try to go through a screen, two things, one of two things happens. Somebody calls a foul or there's a fight. Foul or fight? Option A, foul. Option B, fight. So, like a good spiritual leader that I am, a good pastor, I pressed pause and I said, "Um, Excuse me, that's a foul. (laughs) Our ball. No, I didn't do that. I lost my freaking mind. (laughs) And and he, this dude put his shoulder in my chest and about he knocked me on the ground. And I took with all my might, I went back and I pushed him in the chest. And, and then people had to like, get between us. And half a, look, half of the church comes to the to church, half of the gym comes to the church, you know. So they're all like, what's he doing? He's the pastor, you know. It's so embarrassing. But I lost my mind. I lost my mind. So my ego and my pride was hurt. And so, and the craziest thing about all this thing is, I, I did really lose my mind, is that this guy could have pulverized me. <laughs> I mean, he's like 25 years old. He's got muscles popping out of his everywhere, you know? And, and then, you know, so he wanted to kind of do the whole thing. And then I'm, and I'm starting to get a level head and, like, okay, I need to chill out, you know? <laughs> So I go sit down, story continues, I go sit down, they beat us, so I go sit down and, and during the next game, he's still kind of running past me going, oh yeah, rah, rah. and I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? I either need to get out of here or recruit like a posse behind me or something to help because I'm about to die. So I start praying, what should I do, Jesus, what should I do? Get, get me out of this situation. You know, so I, I, I just kind of, I, I just walk up to him after the next game, and I say, hey man, I blew it. I blew it. It's my fault. I lost my temper. I'm sorry. You know. And, will you for- and then I said, will you forgive me? Now, two dudes on a basketball court usually do not have that conversation. <laughs> will you forgive me? You know, and he didn't really know what to say, so we ended up like fist pumping like all right. We made a few sounds like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and we walked away. And I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I totally blew it totally blew it so when I say I relate to David I, I really do relate to David because he was a godly man but he blew it big time in his life and I feel like so I feel like we can really learn from him. so let's jump into Psalm 34 and look at three things today and for the rest of the Psalm we'll just kind of walk through it rest of the series we'll just kind of walk through it first thing I want you to see if we're going to live a godly life we have to treasure God you have to treasure you have to make God your treasure number one Every single one of us are going to treasure something. We're going to treasure physical looks. We're going to treasure family. We're going to treasure power. We're going to treasure material possessions, money, food, sex. This, to, to be human is to treasure something. We just do. It's just the way we are. I was at the IU game the other night when they played Wisconsin. Never been here before. Never been to an IU game. And I had heard, like, the place gets crazy and it's really loud. I was like, wow. You know, I've been to a lot of basketball games, so... And sure enough, when I got there, man, I saw some people who treasured them some IU. Oh, my gosh. It was like red, and there were chants going, and songs. I didn't know the words, to being sung, and people were getting mad at their own players. And, of course, they lost, so it was, you know, there was anger in the crowd. But these folks, listen, these folks, they love them some IU basketball. You could clearly see that they had treasured, that they had treasured the team. And it's just to, it's to be human. It's just, to be human is to treasure certain things, in our lives. Some of you might be wondering, well, I don't really know what I treasure. Okay, really quick, this is how you kind of figure out what you treasure, ready? What is on your mind most of the time? That's what you treasure. Are you thinking about yourself? How to make more money? How you look the next time you get to eat? (laughs) What is on your mind most of the time? That is what you treasure. You say, well, I think about a lot of different things. I don't really know. How do I pick? Well, then you think about your words. What do you talk about? Because what we talk about most is the thing that we treasure. It's just on the tip of our tongue. Listen to David in Psalm chapter 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord, which means to congratulate, to salute, to honor. I will bless the Lord, how often? At all times. David was continually blessing God. His praise shall be in my mouth. How often? Continually. David was constantly talking about God. He was constantly praising God. What was David's treasure? No, better question, who was David's treasure? Was it not God? Listen to Jesus in Luke chapter 6. What you say, what's on your tongue, the conversations that you have, flows from what's in your heart. We, what's in our heart is our treasure. And so our words are a reflection of what is on, in our heart. David treasured God. Therefore, David was talking about God. He was constantly, continually, in every situation, blessing, praising God. not that interesting? If you and I want to walk closer with God than we ever have before, we must treasure him above all other things does that mean we don't treasure other things no we can we 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 can we can value other things but but if we want to walk closer with God than we ever have before we have to treasure God as supreme because when he's supreme when he's supreme when he is number one in our life don't we want to draw close to him don't we want to spend time with him aren't we thinking about him trying to arrange our schedule to be with him. Isn't that what we do with people we love? I remember when I first started dating my wife 17 years ago at Liberty University on the campus and romance swept me off my feet. And I said, who is this woman? This tall, blonde, beautiful, future mother of my children. (laughs) And I was smitten. And I began to treasure her. And you know, you know who was on my mind most of the time? Jackie Purdue. I was thinking about her when I woke up. I was thinking about her before history class, after history class, during history class. She was on my mind because I valued her. And then guess what happened? Because I valued her, I spent as much as time with her as I possibly could between classes, after classes. Why? Because I treasured her. That is the way it is supposed to be with God. When we treasure him, we're thinking about him, we're wanting him, we're wanting to be with him. Some of you struggle to have a quiet time with God. You say, man, I'm so busy, I really don't have time to spend time with God. Here's really the reason behind that. It's not your schedule, it's the fact that you don't treasure him. He's not the love of your life. He's not number one. Because when someone's number one, when someone is the treasure of your life, you want to be with them. Am I right? Yes or no? David treasured God. Number two, number two, we want to be close with God. What do we need to do? We need to take pride in God. That's weird, don't you think, to say it that way? Take pride. Usually the Bible talks about pride in a very negative way. Pride comes before a fall. Pride is an abomination to God. Some Bible verses say that. What, what the Bible's talking about it, with that type of pride is the type of pride that says, I'm better than you. I'm, I'm stronger than you. I don't need you. God, I have no, I, I, I can get through this life by myself. I, I'm, I'm okay. That type of pride, God says, is evil. But there's a good kind of pride, isn't there? The kind of pride that you take in your children, right? When they accomplish something, it's, oh, that's my boy. You ever do that? That's my little girl. Oh, so proud of you. You cleaned up your room all by yourself. Oh, Daddy's so proud of you. You know, my son for the first time—it's amazing—made scrambled eggs all by himself. I'm not kidding; it's amazing. Fifteen. <laughs> it's Fifteen. <laughs> I wish I had a video because if—if if, if, okay, I can't get into that because I'll embarrass him. But but he—but I was proud of him. The whole thing made made it by himself. He might make it through college. That's the good kind of pride. That's the kind of pride David's talking about when he says this in verse 2. Watch this. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. 16 times in 22 verses, David mentions the Lord. This, This psalm is completely God saturated and God oriented. The whole psalm is focused on God. David says, My soul's boast. If I'm going to brag about anything, if I'm going to take pride in anything, I'm going to take pride in God. Now, David had a lot of things he could have been proud of. You know David's story? David was tapped on the shoulder by a guy named Samuel to be anointed to be the next king of Israel. David could have boasted about that. Hey, you want to know what's cool about me? I'm going to be the next king of Israel. Wow. Puff out his chest. Wow. That's what I'm, I'm going to be. David could have boasted about the fact that when he was under Saul's leadership, when he was in Saul's army, he would go out and he was like the, the mightiest warrior the entire army had. He would kill hundreds and hundreds of men by himself. In fact, they wrote a song about it, which made Saul incredibly jealous. They said, Saul, this is how the song went. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands see some of you know some of you know some of you've been reading the bible that's good david's killed his tens of thousands they wrote a song about this guy david could have said you know what i want to boast about i want to boast about my sword this sword has killed thousands tens of thousands of men no he didn't boast about his sword he didn't boast about his future reign as king he didn't even boast about how he had killed goliath the nine-foot giant he didn't say, well, you know what I'm going to brag about? There's just one day when I was a teenager and I had some stones and a sling and I just got mad at this big old dude who was, who was mocking the armies of God. I went out and killed him. Boom! He fell like a pile of bricks. Then I took my sword out, went up to him, took him by the head and cut his head off and held it up, took some of the blood and wiped it on my head. Well, he didn't do that last part, but that would have been cool. <laughs> he might have. He might have ate some of the blood, <sighs> you know. That's what warriors do. They're crazy. But he didn't, he, didn't bra- he didn't brag about how he chopped Goliath's head off. He didn't boast about the fact that he'd killed tens of thousands. He didn't even boast about the fact that he was going to be the next king. You know what he boasted about? This is incredible. My soul, my inner being, who I am as a human being, makes its boast in the Lord. The Lord. Isn't it interesting how we boast about things that speak to our value? Isn't that what we brag about? Isn't that what we fo- f- most feel proud about? That's why when our children accomplish things like score touchdowns or score baskets or perform well in, a, in a, some sort of performance, we over there, that's my child. Isn't it be- don't we feel that because the- our child speaks to our significance? Yes or no, moms and dads? Yes or no? Gra- hey, grandparents. Grandparents, come on. You're worse than all of us. <laughs> That's my grandson. You know, we brag about the things that speak to our significance and value. David says, you want to know who makes me me? You want to know who makes me valuable? It's the Lord. David was completely focused on God. In his life. I'm just telling you, if you and I, if I I'll just throw this back on me, if I'm going to have a closer relationship with God than ever, I have to find my significance and value from God, not this church, not the performance of my children, that's just a real struggle. That's a real struggle for me, but it's just, it's, the way, it's just the way, it's what has to happen. Let me give you the third, the third one. If you and I are going to walk closer with God than we ever have before, we must make God look great. Have you ever heard of the phrase impression management? impression management. I was introduced by, to this phrase by a guy named John Orberg. He wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. Impression management is just basically this thing that I'm going to manage the impression that I'm giving to you so that you will think h- highly of me. You can call it manipulation, whatever you want to do. I'm going I'm to manage my, the impression that you have of me. I want to look... As, high as, I, as highly as I possibly can in your eyes. So the strategies for impression and management are, uh, mostly, most of them are physical. Um, exercise routines, plastic surgery, clothing, shoes, uh, makeup, anything like that. What we're trying to do is look our best so that we can, be, we can give off the best impression possible. I'm not saying all of that stuff is evil or wrong. It's not. I'm just saying this is just what we do. We're managing the impression that we give to people. Some other strategies include our words. We exaggerate or just flat-out lie so that we can appear to be more spiritual or more godly or more knowledgeable than we really are. And so we will use our words to give people a certain impression. And there are other strategies to this whole thing, but what's, what, what, those two, what this whole impression management thing is rooted in is our desire for significance, and I'm not here to tell you how to avoid that or how to, get, or how to you know, find your way out of impression management. I'm just telling you it has to stop. It has to stop, and it's hard. Because I'm, I'm the first, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I mean, look at these pants. <laughs> look at these shoes. Do you think I just woke up and just put these on because it was the first thing I grabbed? <laughs> I was hoping to give a, a good impression. Some of you think, dude, you look terrible in those pants. <laughs> I know, it's a struggle. I'll try a different color next week. But anyway, see, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just admitting that this is a real thing. We want to manage the impression that we give off. And I'm just telling you, if I want to walk closer with God, if you're going to walk closer with God than you ever have before, the impression management just has to stop. Listen to David in verse 3. He says, oh, magnify who? The Lord. Three verses in a row. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us together exalt his name. Two words, exalt and magnify, to lift up, to draw attention to. David's goal in life was to draw attention to how great God was, not himself. He didn't talk about the fact that he was going to be the next king. He didn't talk about the fact that he killed Goliath or that he was a mighty warrior. He dedicated his life to give people a picture of how great God was. And I'm telling you what, if you and I are going to walk closer with God than we ever have before, we have to make that decision to say, God, I'm getting out of the bed today. I got another 24 hour period or however many hours I'm going to be awake, and I'm going to dedicate those hours to making you look great. Not myself, not somebody else, but you. You know who else got this straight? A guy named Paul that I mentioned earlier who was preaching in Acts chapter 17 in Athens. He wrote a letter called the the letter of Philippians. While he was in jail, he had figured this out as well. Listen to what he says in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now in jail, okay, remember that, as always, as I have in the past, Christ will be, say it with me, exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. The goal of Paul's life was to exalt Christ, to magnify Christ, to make him look great. No wonder God was partnered, partnered up with him to, to launch church after church after church. No wonder God partnered up with him to write 14 letters, 14 books of the New Testament were written by Paul. No wonder he wanted to make God look great. And if we're going to walk closer with God than we ever have before, that has got to be the heart that we have. David treasured God, David took pride in God, and David made it his goal to make God look great. Can I ask you three quick questions really quick as we wrap up? Number one, what's your treasure? I hope these bother you. That's really my hope. These questions, I hope they bug you. (laughs) I hope you can't forget them. I hope you lose sleep a little bit over these questions. What's your treasure? Is it anything besides God? What's your treasure? Number two, what's your soul's boast? In other words, where are you finding significance? What are you most proud of in your life? Is it God? let's make that shift, right? And then number three, who is your life pointing to? Who does your life magnify? Yourself? Is it all about you? Or is it about exalting Christ in your life? Now, I want you to take those three questions and with you today and work on them throughout the week. Let me talk a little bit about the fasting piece, like I said I would earlier. Fasting. Why would we fast? Let me, let me go back to what a fast is really quick. A fast is a spiritual practice where we deny ourselves food for a, sp- a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. That's what a fast is, okay? And so why would we do that? Why how does fasting help us to draw closer to God? Well, what fasting does is it reorients your life, it reorients your body, it changes your physiology, okay, changes your mindset. Jesus said one time in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when he's being tempted by Satan, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God powerful in other words in the same way that we're going to draw strength from physical food we should be drawing life and strength from the spiritual realm and so when you fast here's what happens when you deny yourself food for a period of time it's not forever for a period of time you are you are actually saying to God God I'm going to devote my entire soul to drawing strength from the spiritual realm, from your spirit. That's what fasting does. It positions your life word, okay? And so that's why many people fast to draw closer to God. In fact, in fact, over 800 churches this year are doing the 21-day fast that starts tomorrow, okay? So we're not alone as a church. We're doing this with many larger churches, life churches doing that. Some of you know Craig Rochelle, uh, and, and there are many churches that are doing this. So we're jumping on board from the 9th to the 29th to do this 21-day fast, to draw closer to God to God now let me give you some insight into what we're talking about when we talk about fasting there's a couple of different options there's the food fast and when we talk about the food fast there's a total fast which means no food at all for 21 days only liquids so water and juices to get some vitamins and of course coffee I mean we can only go so far here you know what I'm talking about Um, So there's the total fast. Then there's the fruits and vegetables fast, which has also been called the Daniel fast. And so for 21 days, you just do uh, fruits and vegetables. Then just the total junk food fast. That's just all you eat is junk food for 21 days. No, that's not true. This is this is this is this where you cut out junk food for 21 days, and all you eat is regular food. So, uh, I would encourage any of you who are going to do these fasts, especially this one right here, do not try it if you ha- if uh, you haven't uh, gotten approval from a doctor or or someone uh, in the in the medical field to make sure that you're strong enough to do that. Um, I would definitely get approval of a doctor if you have a medical condition of any sort, if you take prescription pills. You don't want to try the total fast. And if you've never done it before, it's really hard to just jump into a 21-day fast, so you might consider doing this or this to start out with. Now, for those of you who are hypoglycemic or you have diabetes and you, abs- you absolutely need to eat food, there's another option for you, and that's called the media fast, or some have called it the soul fast. And this is when you deny yourself things like social media. Okay, Facebook, some of you are like, <gasps> I can never do it. <laughs> That's the reason why you need to do it, because of your response, okay? So there's the social media, Twitter, Facebook, all those different things, uh, Instagram. Then there's Netflix and television and all, all that stuff. You can, you can fast from that. And then also this last one, pay attention, really. Pay, pay attention. It's important. Video games. Some of you are wasting your life away, okay? Just... I could go more into that, but I'm going to practice (laughs) self-control. So you fast from video games. Now, here's the idea. Here's the idea. If you do not replace the time that you save from eating a meal or playing five hours of video games or an hour on social media, if you do not replace that time with a spiritual activity, all you've done is create a diet for yourself. And we're not... This church does not exist to, to offer you diet plans, okay? <laughs> if you just stop eating, that's a diet. So what you want to do is replace that time when you were eating a meal with something spiritual like prayer or reading. And I have a couple of options for you, okay? Of course, there's the one-year Bible. And I strongly recommend that you, that you have one of those and get into that. So you would spend time reading and praying. There's also a 21-day fast fasting devotional on the U version app. So if you have a smartphone, hopefully you have the U version app. If you don't, it's totally free. You gotta get it. And what they have here is they have reading plans on this. And there's a, a 21 day fasting challenge called Awakening. And it starts tomorrow and for 21 days it's a short little devotional. And they give you one Bible verse and you can do that little devotional as you go along through uh through this series. And so that'll help you there as well. Now the book awakening uh, there's actually a book called Awakening called, uh, by a guy named Stovall Weems. He wrote it, and it's on back order right now. You can get it on Audible. It's called Awakening. Uh, you can also get it on your Kindle. So I would encourage you also to jump into that. He's a pastor of a church down south and, um, right, he's really the guy that kind of started this whole thing. Hey, let's do a 21-day fast nationwide, and it's really caught on. But you can get the book, hardcover. It'll, be, it'll take a couple of days to get it, uh, but you can get the Kindle right away. You can also get the, the Audible version if you've got some credits there as well. So those are some tools that are very, very helpful. Does that make sense why we would do a fast? Now, today, right after the service, in fact, in 50 minutes or so, I made a little six-minute video that goes a little bit further into fasting and some of the things to expect uh, and some coaching on it. That'll pop up on your church app uh, at 1 o'clock today. Um, And then what I'll do throughout the series is make some more five-minute videos, six-minute videos to give some encouragement uh, over the next 21 days, some instruction on the whole fasting uh, concept. So be checking for those on social media. And if you're doing a social media fast um, you won't get those. <laughs> so, figure out figure out something else. Look in your email. They should know. Honestly, they should come to you. The video should come to you in your email. So, um, that's, that's exciting. Now, let me wrap this up by going back to something Paul said in Acts 17. He said, His purpose, God's purpose for creating human beings, was that they would seek after God and feel their way towards Him and find them. Though He is, say it with me, not far. He's not far. He's in this room. There's some of you who walked in today, you don't, when I said one to ten, you're like, dude, I'm a negative five. I don't know God. I don't have a relationship. I'm not going to heaven when I die. I'm an atheist, agnostic, or some other religion. Can I tell you something today? Here's God's plan for you. is to seek him and feel your way towards him and find him. You have felt your way towards this environment today. And it's time for you to find him. He's not far from any one of us. You say, well, how do I find him? You reach out to him in faith. You place your confidence and faith in Jesus. You declare that he is the son of God. And you believe that Jesus Christ was a real person. 100% man and 100% God. And he came down to this earth to die on a cross. To sacrifice himself for your sins. To wash away the guilt and the shame and all the stuff that was was blocking a relationship between you and God. He did that because he loved you. In fact, the Bible says it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, we had our backs turned on God, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you. He wants you to find him. He's made a way for you to find him. Will you take that way? Will you reach out to him in faith today? Will you, will you express that faith in prayer? Will you say to Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. Wash me of my sins. Make me your child today. I trust you. If you feel led to do that right now, I'm going I'm to lead you in that simple prayer. You can take my words. You can make them your own. You'll become a child of God. You will find God today in this very room. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all. But today I trust you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. To wash me, to forgive me, and to give me grace. Grace. Today, I receive that grace. I receive your mercy. Please wash my life, cleanse my soul, and make me your child. And from this day forward, help me to treasure you, to take pride in you, and to make you look great with my life. It's in your name I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, first of all, we want to rejoice with you, don't we, team? Team Emmanuel, come on, a little bit louder, a little bit louder. It's awesome. The Bible says that when one person turns, when one person turns to Christ, there is rejoicing in heaven. I think it's a little bit better than what we just did, but the angels are rejoicing in heaven over one person. Hey, if you put your faith in Christ today, our church would love to put a gift in your hand. It's a one-year New Testament. This is the about a portion of the Bible that's broken down into little five-minute readings. You'll get through the entire Bible in a year. If you prayed to receive Christ today, there are tables in the back. If you're upstairs, if you're downstairs, you go back there. some over here, some over there. Tell them you prayed to receive. Christ, they'll put one of these in your hands. Here's why we do this. We're passionate about this. We believe with all of our heart that the Bible was written by the Holy Spirit, that he, t- he worked through people to write down his thoughts and his words for us, to guide us through this life, to show us how to live this life, to shape us, to mold us, and to make us more like his son. So if you put your faith in Christ today, please go back there and grab a Bible. One more time, can we give God glory? Hey team, let's make him look great. Let's make him look great. Let's make him the pride of our lives, right? Let's make God the treasure of our lives. Can you imagine if we had 5,000 people, 6,000 people making God the treasure of their life, taking pride in God and trying to make him look great? Like what would happen to this community? What would happen to our homes? What would happen to our marriages? What would happen in my marriage if, if my goal in front of my wife was to make God look great? What would happen? How do you think Jackie would respond to me? Do you think, you think she would respond well to that? Yes or no? But if I could get over my own selfishness, right? If I could get over the fact that I want to be great in my home. Uh-oh, did I just tell myself? I did. See, I need, I need this. I need to make God look great in every aspect of my life. It's Nothing short of transformation will take place in our homes and in our community. You down for that? Isn't that exciting? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to take the words we heard today and apply them to our lives. We want to be closer than you than we ever have before. We've admitted, God, that that there's room for growth. Some of us are twos and sevens, and some of us are fours and fives. We want to be eights and nines. God, through this fast and through the teaching of your word, help us to draw closer to you than we ever have before so that more and more people would get a clear picture of how awesome you are. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for those who put their faith in you today. Give them the courage to go grab a Bible and to begin reading and to begin transforming, becoming more like you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Next week, week number two of this series. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring a friend. Look for the video at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock today. Check the church out. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend.